Amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Exodus 16. We are continuing to follow the journey of the Israelites after they have walked through the Red Sea with, wa- with a wall of water on either side of them. And God has miraculously rescued them from the Egyptians and from a life of slavery and oppression and suffering. And, uh, and then last week we saw how they, uh, they walked into the wilderness for several days and they, they were thirsty and they needed water desperately. And God miraculously provided the water for them and then brought them to a place of abundant water. Um, and, and even though they had complained about it, um, they had seen God provide and be faithful. Um, sadly, as we're going to see today, they didn't really learn anything from that episode as they continue to grumble and complain. And if anything, when I see this chapter after chapter of grumbling and complaining and grumbling and complaining, um, I'm like, the Bible is so relatable (laughs) because that's pretty much what I do like every day of my life. And I need to know what God says to me in the midst of my grumbling and my complaining, and I think you do too. So listen to God's word as I read from Exodus 16. I'm just going to read the first 12 12 verses of, of chapter 16. It's printed in your order of worship if you don't have a Bible. They set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said, said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Let's pray. Father, we need you. Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you right now to work in our our minds, to work in our hearts, that you would speak clearly and powerfully through your word. We need you to make us receptive to what you want to say to us, what you want to teach us. And we need you to work in us hearts that are quick to respond to what you've said. Father, we pray that you would use this time as we look at your word and that you would change us. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, last week was, was a little rough for me. Um, I had a lot to complain about, to be honest with you. Uh, probably not as much as a lot of you guys in here, but anyways, I still felt like I had a lot to complain about. I'll just give you a beginning of the rundown of my week. On Monday, I'll just, you know, I, I shared, I've been sharing about my ear, my hearing loss, things like that. And I told you last week I had a doctor's appointment on Monday. So I went on Monday to the doctor, and she basically said, you know, the, the window of opportunity to treat this really is kind of past us, but we could try this one thing where we, where we give you a shot of steroid right into your eardrum. And we could see what that does. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let's try it. And so I got a shot in my ear, which I don't want to do again. I don't want to do it again. I'm sure many of you guys have been through worse, but I don't want to do this again. You know, it was, it was uncomfortable enough when they, they basically numbed up my eardrum and then they took the needle and, and injected the stuff right in there. And as they were doing it, like the room is like spinning and I, I, I felt awful the rest of the day. But even maybe the worst part about it was right after they did it, she said I wasn't allowed to swallow for 15 minutes. And I was like telling my, my kids about this and they are like, you can't swallow for 15 minutes? Like, that sounds like torturous to not be able to swallow for 15 minutes. So I'm like laying there. They gave me gauze to put in my mouth to keep me from swallowing, and, and I'm laying there for 15 minutes. It was just, you know, it was, it was, it was a, a certain level of misery. So I, I felt, you know, awful the rest of the day. And then, then Tuesday rolls around, and, and Tuesday's normally my day off, but then, you know, we had to take uh, our little kids to some doctor's appointments, so that kind of, you know, messed up the normal Tuesday activities and, and things that, that we would do to kind of rest and, and relax. But then it got even worse on Tuesday because later on in the day, I got the hiccups. You might, you might not think that's any big deal. But see, I'm, for some reason, every couple, two or three years, I get this severe case of hiccups that lasts like two to three days. And they're, and they're violent. They're, they're like so strong that like I have these things and, and my stomach hurts, my throat hurts. I'm just like, please, I can't take another moment of this. You know, it, it just, it just, it's awful. I can't stand it. So I got those hiccups that continued on into Wednesday. And, uh, and, and so I had the hiccups pretty much most of the day Wednesday. And then Wednesday night, oh, this is the last thing I'll share, you know. But the Wednesday night, I had to, we had to go um, take the boys to another appointment. And I was in a waiting room for an hour and a half, okay. I'm sitting in a waiting room that was packed full of people for an hour and a half. And, and there are people standing around. I'm, I, I have a seat. I'm sitting there. But, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm hiccuping, you know, constantly hiccuping, hip, hiccuping. And there's this little two-year-old girl that's just, like, running around the office, just terrorizing everybody in there. Like, she, you know, I'm, I try, I'm trying to read my book while I'm hiccuping, and she's, like, grabbing my book from me. And she found this, like, toy pair of pliers that she's going around just, like, pinching everybody with. <laughs> and you're just trying to smile and be like, hello, nice. Um, and so, but, but that's just a few days, right? Okay, I, I know that some of you guys are dealing with a lot more serious stuff than that, but, but it was plenty of reasons I had to grumble and complain. If you were following, around, following me around for the week, if you were with me in all these different places, you wouldn't have probably noticed that I was grumbling or complaining because I'm a pastor. I have an image to keep up, <laughs> Right? including for myself. I, I, don't, I, I don't complain, you know, I, nothing bothers me, I'm, I'm always happy. Um, but inside my heart, there was this constant state of, come on, please. This constant state of just, 
I'm done with, you know, the way my life is going right at this moment. You know, I, I, when, how long am I going to have to endure this? Just this constant state of dissatisfaction with the way that my life was going at the moment, wanting it to be different than it was, right? Um, it was a little like the Israelites here in this passage, except that the Israelites are more vocal about it, right? Um, in this passage, in verse 3, they said they, they, they grumble. Well, verse 2 and 3, they grumble against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and they say, would that we died by the hand of the Lord in the, ha- in the land of Egypt because we're so hungry. If only we would have died back in Egypt. This hunger is just awful. You know, they're, they're grumbling. They're more vocal about, they're grumbling. If, if, the, if this passage is about anything, if you, as you were listening, it might have been even kind of funny. Did you notice how many times the word grumble or grumbling came up in that passage as I was reading it? Over and over and over again. If this passage is about anything, it's about people's tendency, God's people's tendency to grumble and it's about how God responds to us in the midst of our grumbling. And, and, and as I said before, this is so relatable, this is so appropriate. I think for, I would, I would guess for almost all of us, because I would guess that I- even if you don't vocally, out loud, grumble, complain all the time, you're probably doing it at some point in your heart. You're probably rolling your eyes, shaking your head about the way your life is going at points. And maybe you've done it multiple times this past week. Maybe you've done it this morning already. Um, we all live kind of in this constant state of, of dissatisfaction with the way that our life is going, kind of focusing on our emptiness, on our hunger, and the fact that I, I wish it wasn't like this, um, and complaining about it. And for a lot of us, it's, it's because of small things. It's because of a lot of small things. It's because of having to you know, wait in long lines or wait in a, in a waiting room, right? It's about things breaking down, whether it's our cars or the things that we use in our homes or Uh, maybe it's just about living with people that have different values than we do, about like cleanliness, like neatness about the house, you know? Like some of us, we can't handle the fact that the house is a mess. Others of us can't handle the the fact that the person is upset because it's a mess. Um, And and we have these small things that bother us, but there there are others of us here, I'm sure, I know, who um, are tempted to complain and be frustrated and, and... angry and grumbling about the fact that there are big things going on. Um, health issues that, uh, that, that you've been dealing with for a long time. You're like, why does it have to be this way? Um, or, or, or relationships that, that have been broken. Um, and so we all have this tendency to, to live our lives with this, this state of, of, of complaining, of grumbling. And, um, and the thing, one thing this passage points to is, is that uh, grumbling is never just grumbling. Grumbling is never just grumbling. Okay? In verse 2, you see the, the Israelites grumble. right? They, they grumble to the, the person that's in front of them. They grumble to, to Moses and Aaron because they're kind of leading this expedition. Um, they're, they're unhappy with their lives. They're hungry. They're worried about maybe not having enough food to eat. And so they just start vocalizing it. They start complaining to the person that's nearest to them. And they even, they're, they're even kind of talking irrationally, right? Well, not kind of. They are talking irrationally. Do you really think that they, they wanted to die in Egypt? If only we had died back in Egypt. They're talking irrationally, but they're just, they're just complaining. They're grumbling because they don't like the way their life is going right now. But then what does Moses point out to them? As you continue reading in, the, in, in these verses, Moses points out that... Um, if, you, if you look down in verse 8, 
When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but it's against the Lord. And Moses points out to them, look, you, you may not even be thinking about how, like, what your complaining says about who you are and, and everything and, and, and what you care about and, and your life, but, but really, your grumbling, your complaining is an offense to God. Your, your grumbling is against the Lord. They might not really be thinking about their grumbling, which I think a lot of us don't think about. We don't think that, that our complaining and grumbling is really that big of a deal. It's just kind of part of our lives. We don't realize that it means something much more serious about our attitude towards God and our relationship with him. I think a lot of us tend to grumble without thinking about the seriousness of what we're doing. Um, when I was a little kid, I've shared this illustration before, so I'm sure Josh Kimmel will remember it. He remembers all my illustrations, but uh, maybe some, of you, some of others of you might not. Um, when I was a kid, I was with my parents at uh, uh, some friend's house, uh, their friend's house, and they were having dinner with their friends, and I was standing out in the driveway, just playing in the driveway while our, all the adults were inside, and I was just picking up rocks and throwing them over a fence, just one after the other, just throwing them over the fence, picking up a rock, throwing it over the fence, and, and the cool thing was is that every time I threw a rock over the fence, or almost every time, it made this like metallic bang on the other side of the fence. And so I'm just like throwing the rocks, just having fun, killing time, throwing rocks, bang, throwing rock, bang, bang, bang. And I'm not thinking anything of it. I'm just a kid having fun, right? It's no big deal. And we came to find out later that on the other side of the, the, the fence was a driveway, and in that driveway was the neighbor's car. And every time I threw one of those rocks, it was putting a dent in that car. And... Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't, didn't realize till later how much of an offense it was to the neighbor and to my dad um, when he heard about it from them. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that's kind of what our grumbling does. Like, we, we kind of just kind of complain, whether it's vocally or just inwardly, um, about the fact that life isn't going the way that I want it to. And, and the reality is, is that attitude is, is really an offense. It, 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 it's, it, it reflects a heart that, uh, that is rebellious even to God. We're, whenever we grumble, whenever we complain about our circumstances, about what's going on in our lives, we're really saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. God, I don't believe that you care. God, I don't believe that you're strong enough to work in my situation or, to, or, to, or that you're smart enough to, to work in my situation, whatever is going on in my life right now. You know, in the midst of the Israelites, as they, as they experience hunger, instead of turning to God and saying, God, we're going to trust you, we believe that you can care for us and lead us, they just complain. Because obviously God can't and won't. He's not big enough. And it's an offense. Our, our grumbling is an offense to God. And this, this is what the Israelites are doing when they grumble. This is what we do when we grumble and complain. When we grumble, when we complain, when we shake our head, when we roll our eyes, um, whenever we're, we're doing these things, we're not thinking about it. We're just, we're just expressing frustration and, and annoyance with the fact that my life isn't what I want it to be. We're saying, God, you shouldn't be in charge. I should. And that's what our grumbling does. It, 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 it's never just grumbling. It's never just grumbling. But, but the amazing thing, the, the good news, as you read this passage 
the really awesome thing is how God responds to the grumbling of the people, right? What does God do in response to the people? The Israelites are grumbling about not having any food, about being hungry, and yet they've just seen God miraculously pull them out of Egypt, right? Rescue them from lives of slavery. They've just seen God destroy this powerful Egyptian army. They've just seen God provide water, sweet water for them in the, in the wilderness, out of bitter water. They've seen God do all of these amazing things, and yet they continue to complain. God, what are you doing? It would have been better if we were dead back in Egypt after God had just done all of that amazing stuff. Can you imagine how annoying that must have been to God? How offensive that must have been to him? I mean, if it was me... I would have said, oh, you think it would have been better to be dead back in Egypt? Here you go. <laughs> go ahead. Because that's, that's how I respond to you know, people in my life, to kids especially in my life that complain. Have you ever dealt with kids that are complaining and complaining and complaining? What do we do? We usually say, okay, uh, you know, you're complaining. You're not going to get what you want. You're not going to get what you want. When kids complain about not getting dessert, you're not getting dessert. And they keep complaining, then I'm gonna, you're going to go to time out. They keep complaining, you're going to go to your room and spend some time by yourself. You go away from me. That's how I would respond to people who grumble and complain. But how does God respond? These people complain and they grumble and then God literally pours out his grace upon them. He rains down food on them. He doesn't give them what they deserve. He, he, he gives them his grace. He gives them his grace. It, their grumbling does not stop his grace and his kindness and his mercy to them. In fact, he, he displays his kindness in, in, in this amazing way by raining food down on them. You know, he could have provided food by just kind of caused some animals to start walking through and they could have killed them and eaten them, right? Right? He could have even you know, done something miraculous and, and made a big pile of food appear that they could go gather and, and stuff, but, but he rains food down on them on a daily basis. That's how he responds to their grumbling. Their grumbling does not destroy or stop his kindness and his grace. And that is, that is incredible news for me, a person who's very practiced at grumbling, to know that my grumbling, my complaining, my uh, the way that, that I kind of constantly wish my life was different doesn't prevent God from doing some amazingly good things in my life. It doesn't stop God from continuing to, to care for me and love me and be kind to me. Of course, I think it's important to remember here, why does God do this? Why does God give them what they're complaining about? Why does he rain food down on them? when it doesn't seem like they deserve it at all. Because, you know, f just looking at this passage by itself, it almost looks like God's like a really bad parent. Have you ever seen parents who are like in a public place, you know, in like Walmart or something like that, and their kid's throwing a tantrum because they, the parents said you can't have the uh, action figure or the Barbie doll? And they're like, no, I want it, I want it! And the parent, you know, I would think a good parent says, okay, you know, I said no, you're not going to get it, no matter how much you scream, no matter how much you cry, and they take the kid out screaming of the store, right? But, but this is kind of like a picture of, of a parent who, you know, the kid's screaming on the ground because you don't give them the Barbie, and one, then the, par the parent instead goes to the shelf and just takes every Barbie possible and puts it in the, in the, uh, the cart for the kid. That's what it looks kind of like what God's doing. 
right? So is God just being a bad parent here? Um, I think it's important to realize that why does God pour out his grace on his people? Why does he continue to show them kindness even when they are sinful and stubborn? Well, I don't think you see it here that much, but, but you do kind of get a, a glimpse of it. At the very end of the passage, in verse 12, he says, um, you, shall be, uh, you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. I am Yahweh. That's the word Lord right there. I am Yahweh, your God. I am the one, that, that, that name that he gives to his people, that he gave to Moses. I am Yahweh. Um, that's the name that, that, that is tied to his commitment to his people, to his promises to his people. It, it's tied up with this, this idea, this word covenant, where God enters into a relationship with his people and he commits to love them, no matter what, no matter what it might cost him. And so the reason God is, continues to be kind and loving and merciful to the people is because long ago he had made a promise. He had made a promise. Remember back in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 12, he makes a promise to Abraham, the father of all the Israelites. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you into a blessing, and I'm, I'm going to give you this land, and I'm, I'm going to do all these amazing things for you, and I'm, gonna, I'm promising to do it. And God continues to love this people, even though they don't deserve it, because he has promised to do it, because he's a covenant-keeping God. He's faithful to his promises. He's committed to loving them. That's who God is. And I think we need to remember, it's important to remember for us, if we want to expect God to, to love us and to show us his grace and to show us his kindness, we need to remember that the only reason he does that is not because we have earned that love, not because we have done enough good things to, to get him to love us, it's because God has promised to love us and he's done everything to fulfill that promise in the person of Jesus. The reason God loves us is not because we're, we're, we, we get our complaining and grumbling under control. The reason God loves us is because of Jesus. Because Jesus Christ has come and died for us to pay for our sin, and he's risen from the dead. And he's alive. And it's, it's because, because of Christ and Christ alone that, that we can know that no matter how much of a mess up I am today, God is going to continue to rain down his grace on me. He's going to continue to love me. He's going to continue to be faithful to me. That is why our grumbling does not, will not ever stop his grace. Because his grace doesn't depend on me, it depends on him, his promise. It depends on Christ. But their grumbling also provides God with an opportunity to do something else. Um, in both this situation, and if, if, you, if you remember last week with the water, um, it says in both places that God tested the people. It says that God tested the people. Back in chapter 15, when they didn't have any water, it talks about how the Lord tested them. In verse 25, you don't have them in front of you. But then here, in verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. So, so their grumbling provides an opportunity for God to test his people. What does it mean that he tests them? What, is, what kind of test is he giving his people? Is it the sort of test that's like a pass-fail test? Is he waiting to see if they're going to pass or fail? And if they fail, he's like, they're done. I'm done being kind to them. I'm done being gracious to them. I think that the, the, the idea of, of him testing them has something to do more with what he wants to teach them. 
has something to do more with what he wants to teach them. He wants them to grow. He wants them to grow in understanding that he is the one who will provide for them. He wants, to grow, he wants them to grow in understanding that they must learn to depend on him at all times, every single day. Again, I said, how does he show his grace to them? He pours out food on them on a daily basis. And, but he does it in a special way. Like I said, he, he doesn't like just pro- provide a bunch of food that they need to gather and then kind of ration out every day. He gives them just enough food for every day. And he says, you need to go out and you need to gather just enough for today. If you gather too much, it's going to spoil. And as you read the rest of the chapter, you see that some people do. And it melts and goes away. Um, and so you need to just learn. You need to learn that I am the one who will care for your needs. I am the one who will provide for you. I am the one who will satisfy you. I'm the one who is enough for you today, today. And even throughout the week, in the pattern of the week, on the the sixth day, it's different, right? He tells them to gather twice as much because on the seventh day, he's not going to give them any. And and that that sixth day, it's going to last one extra day. Their food's going to last one extra day. And and I think the whole purpose of this is that he is inviting them into relationship with him. He's inviting them to learn to walk with him on a daily basis, to walk with him day by day throughout the week and then take a break with him once every week on the seventh day. I think the whole purpose of this test is to help them to grow in understanding what it means to have a relationship with him, to depend on him, to walk not ahead of him, not behind him, but right next to him. Trusting that he will give them what they need. And he wants them, I think, to learn above all else that that he alone will fill them. He alone will satisfy them. Um, uh, The fact that these people were hungry and they were complaining, that's probably not too unfamiliar for all of us. I'm sure you've all heard about being hangry before, right? Some of you guys experience being hangry when you're hungry and you just get very irritable and and frustrated. I experience that often when when I'm hungry. I... I have trouble dealing with life, right? I think what God wants them to notice is is that he alone will satisfy them and fulfill them. And they need to fill themselves with what comes from his hand at all times. And you see this later in the Bible. We read this from, from John 6, right? Where Jesus says, I am the one who fulfills this picture of what God does for the Israelites. You know, Moses had had God pour out bread from heaven. But that actually wasn't the true bread. I am the true bread. That's what Jesus says, right? I am the true bread from heaven. That if you will look to me, if you will feed upon who I am, if you will cling to what I have done, if you sustain yourself from the love that I have given you by dying for you and by, by living for you, then you will be satisfied. Then you will be full how do I live my week without complaining and grumbling and focusing on all the stuff that I don't have and all the way that my life isn't the way I want it? The way that I do that is I, I need to feast upon Jesus. I need to feast upon God's love for me through Jesus, that he truly is the true bread from heaven. He is the only one that will fill me. And, and as I am full, as I am satisfied, as, as I'm more preoccupied with who he is and what he has done for me, it, it enables me to cope. 
It enables me to not to have to, to continually focus on the way my life isn't what I wish it was. Because he's loved me. And his love is enough. I pray that we would do that as we, as we finish together worshiping here, as we sing Christ is enough for me. I pray that, that that would be true for you, that that would be real for us, that Christ is enough, that, that he is enough, that he is real enough, and that he's enough for us, that, that, that we aren't preoccupied by the fact that my life isn't what I wish it was because he is filling me every day. He is filling me. He is enough for today. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us uh, this morning. It's hard to believe this, that in the midst of the small things, in the, in the midst, in the face of, of the big things, that you're enough. Father, we pray that you would help us to, to not forget this week um, this, this picture of, of the, the food falling from heaven. That that is what you, you have done for us in Christ. That we need to look to what you provide for us, that we, what you provided for us in, in Jesus. That in Christ we have more than enough for all of our needs. Help us to, to be content with who he is and what he has done who he promises to be. We pray that that would give us real peace and wholeness, that that would satisfy us. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.